Um, we're looking at the book of Acts, the church in action, if you like, in Acts and what it means to be Pentecostal, a spirit people. And I'm going to read in a few minutes from Acts chapter 10. It's a, well, we should have read it on Friday if you're doing our daily readings, which are on our church suite. Church app, we believe it's important to read God's word. And it's about the background, a remarkable story about a sincere, devout man uh, who's a Roman army officer. He's not a Jew, but he's wanting to follow God and connect with God in a fuller measure. And an angel comes to visit him and says, see if you send for Simon, Peter, he'll come and can he help you in your journey or the next stage of your journey. That's a paraphrased version, but it's true. And the next day God connects with Peter, Simon, well, he's lying and he sees a sheet of what is a sheet full of food, which is ceremoniously unclean in Jewish law. And that comes down and he's told to get up and eat it. And he's saying, no, I'm not eating that. That's not clean. I'm not going to eat that stuff. And then God says to Peter, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the angel said, don't make something unclean if God's made it clean. Three times it happens. Peter's a type, he just, can he, he just needs to get it after a wee while. Uh, but three times it happens, he's, he gets it a bit, but he's still a little bit confused until these men from Cornelius come knocking at the door looking for him. And Peter begins to say, hey, there's something here, but maybe that wasn't food God was talking about. Maybe it was people he was talking about because to the Jewish people, anybody not Jewish was not clean. They weren't uh, the people that God had come from. They are, uh, we, are the, we are the people. We are the people, so to speak. God loves us, nobody else. Jesus came for us. Uh, these people are just unclean. These Gentiles, these non-Jews, we, we don't really get them. You know, the reality is we've all got biases and prejudices in our life. He was, God only came for us Jews and saved us. But then Cornelius begins to tell the story. And then we read from verse 34 of Acts 10. Then Peter replied, if you do know your Bible, whenever Peter opens his mouth, it's not always going to be that good for what comes out of it. But in this case, it is good. Cornelius explains the story. Then Peter replied, I, can, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is a message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism? And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He's the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with people, Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? 
now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked them to stay with them for several days. I want to focus particularly on one verse here. First of all, as we talk about being spirit people, Pentecostal, lessons we can learn from people, that we shouldn't be prejudiced. We shouldn't be biased and prejudiced and think we are the people. I believe God is doing a work in all over the world, and it's not just in us, it's not just even in Pentecostal churches. I believe God is at work, and sometimes we can have a, a bad opinion of other churches and other denominations. We can't do that. God's at work, and God's Spirit is moving. In other words, let's not be biased and prejudiced that we are the people. Let's embrace all that God is doing all over the planet. But also let's be open to God speaking to us in unusual ways. You might get dreams, you might get visions. God will speak to us in unusual ways. We need to allow God to speak. But let me just put a proviso in there. He'll never speak anything that's contrary to what he said in his word. God can show us things, but it will never be against what he said in his word. But let's be open to God speaking to us in creative ways. But three, simple but profound in some ways, points about what does it really mean to be Pentecostal, what are our priorities as Pentecostals, as people who are, who are spirit-led, a spirit-filled. I want to tell you the first is the promotion of Jesus. Peter begins to explain what God was doing. He kind of says, oh, I get it now. He replied, I see that God is at work here and he's open to everybody. And then Peter begins to explain what God had done through Jesus. And I want to pick up in verse 38. It says, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Number one, people who are really full and led by the Spirit, they promote Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Listen to what Peter says, God anointed Jesus. Jesus went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Jesus was put to death, but it was him that rose up again. We were ordered to preach everywhere to teach that Jesus is the one anointed by God. Jesus is the one all the prophets talked about. Everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. We were ordered, one version says, we were ordered to preach that this is the one the anointed one, God. Not two or three people, not different prophets, but what to speak about the one. And the one is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is a good shepherd. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's all about Jesus. He's the way. Jesus is salvation. Let me say, when we are truly spirit-filled people, our people are led by the Spirit, we will not talk about ourselves. We will not talk about our ideas predominantly. We will not talk about what we want to see happen, a predominant talk will be about Jesus Christ. It'll be about Jesus. We speak about Jesus. Our talk should mainly be about him. Our song should predominantly be about Jesus. Our preaching should predominantly be about Jesus. We will be exalting Jesus. We will be proclaiming Jesus. We will sing about Jesus. We will talk about Jesus. I believe in supernatural. I believe in angels. I believe in demons. I believe in God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And I believe we need to see more and more of the power of the Holy Spirit at work. But this is what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he will glorify me. 
When the Holy Spirit comes, he's not coming to talk about himself. He's coming to talk about Jesus. He's come to talk about me. He goes on in John 15. I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. He will speak about Jesus. I want to tell you, when someone is really full of God and Holy Spirit, they'll talk about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And there's power in Jesus. The power and the authority is in Jesus. You know, it's the enemy of our souls knows the power that's in Jesus. That's why it's the only, if you like, in religious circles, Jesus is the only name which is a curse word. You don't find that strange? The only time there's a curse word in the religious world is Jesus. Tell me, because the enemy wants to downgrade that name of Jesus because he knows the power that's in the name of Jesus. There's a power that's in Jesus' name. Pastor David mentioned a couple of weeks ago about when Peter and John were put into prison because they healed a man in the name of Jesus. We haven't got silver and gold, but we'll give you what we've got in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And they did. And then the upshot of that was this. We need, you to, we need to free you. We'll put you in prison, but we can't find anything to hold you in prison. You've not done anything bad. You've not done anything wrong. We've tried hard to get you in prison and find a charge against you, but we can't. See, so on you go, and basically paraphrase, but true. See, you can, you can do church, you can do speaking, you can do stuff. We don't mind what you do, but don't speak the name of Jesus. You can do, you can still have church, you can still do everything. There's nothing will stop you do except one thing. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't use the name of Jesus. You can still have church, but listen, the more people tell us not to use it, the more we should proclaim and speak the name of Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. It's not about the name, it's about the person who represents that name. No other name is higher than his. If you read the Acts, even Philip, when he met the eunuch, the Ethiopian in the chariot, he was reading the Bible. And if you read it, Acts 19, it says, Philip just got alongside him and started talking about Jesus. Because there's an authority in Jesus. Listen, we live for the proclamation of Jesus. But we live by the power of the Holy Spirit as well. Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, in his gospel in chapter 3, he recalls in chapter 3, Jesus had been baptized in the Holy Spirit in bodily form coming upon him. Then the beginning of chapter 4, he says, Full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the wild Spirit into the wilderness. And then later on in that chapter, he says, Return from it into Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. I.e., Jesus went into this period of temptation in the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, for 40 days. And when he came out of that, he was full of the Holy Spirit. No, you can go into a wilderness difficult temptation experience full of Holy Spirit and it doesn't need to drain you. You can come out still full of the Holy Spirit. You can still, because there's a power in the Holy Spirit. And he hadn't done anything up to this point. He just grown in stature and favor with God and man. And then one day, Jesus went to church or synagogue on the Sabbath, his church. And it notice it says, as usual. As usual. Just two words there. Jesus went to church as usual. That's what he did. That's what he did. We sing along to be like Jesus. I tell you, one of the best ways to be like Jesus is to go to church on a regular basis. Anyway, I'll throw that out there. You might be watching online. And then Jesus said this. He got up, 
Open the Bible and it says, it's quoted from Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. That the blind will see that the, oh, the oppressed will be set free. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he says, this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled today. I, Jesus, it's about me. When Jesus was going about planet earth, he went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil because the anointing of God was on him. Not because of his divinity, but because of his anointing. Because of the power, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he says in John 14, I'm going away, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to come and greater works you can do than I did. Know why? Because I'm doing it under the empowering of the Holy Spirit. If you've been in the Alpha course, I've heard of it. Uh, you'll have heard Nicky Gumbel say, at certain times, no testament, at certain times, for certain tasks and certain people, God's Spirit came upon them to do stuff. But that's pictures of the New Testament where the Holy Spirit come down and it's available for us all to receive and be empowered by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Jesus was empowered with the Spirit and he knew that his followers had to be. His disciples were a bunch of characters. We'll put it that way, aren't they? You know, one of the last things Jesus said to him in Acts 1 and 4 was, you guys don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. I told you about it before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying, guys, you guys are okay. You've had a great training for three years. You've had the best ministerial training. AG does really good ministerial training, and other denominations do good ministerial training. But Jesus basically said, see you guys, you're great guys, and you've had the best mentor, you've had the best training, you've had on-the-job training, and it's not just action. I've spoke to you the words of life. I've given you the best sermons you've ever heard. I've showed you how to do things. You're great, and you're good guys, and you've got a lot going for you. But you know what? Don't do anything until you've seen that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because you need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You've got a lot going for you, but that's not enough. When I'm going, you need something. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, yes, we're out about proclamation of Jesus, but about the power of the Holy Spirit, about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we need that. And you know what happened? Once it came upon them, they say, he says, there's no stopping you once it comes upon you. You know, the problem sometimes is, particularly as Pentecostals, we want to, and we feel and sense the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's good, and we do want that, and we want to see it more and more. But primarily, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not to make us feel good, it's about us doing good. It's about not about feeling good, but about doing good. I want to tell you, it will make you feel good, but it's about doing good. Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit, went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. I want to tell you, me and Paul and the Holy Spirit, it's not about us having a good time and it's great if we have a good time. It's not about us feeling good. It's about us going. It's about us believing that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's about seeing people set free. It's about being able to pray for people and believing that God will do what God can do. And that's what we're about for. But it's also about empowered to do good as well. Jesus went about doing good. You know the biggest witness that I've ever had to my next door neighbor is taking a bin in. For the past two years, she's given me a, a Christmas present just because I take a bin in. And you know, taking a bin in opened up a conversation once about church. It's a simple thing. It's just doing good. But it's so unusual. It tells you the kind of street I live in. Okay? 
It's unusual to see kind things getting done in my street. If it's empty in my street watching, I do apologise. It's not you I'm talking about, it's the neighbour next door to you that I'm talking about. But listen, yes, we live for the empowerment to see the big things happen. But you know, as people who are Pentecostal, we should begin about doing good. The Spirit empowers you to do good. Be nice, engage with people. It's amazing the difference it will make. And my last point, you'll be pleased to know. Yes, we live for the proclamation of Jesus. We live by the empowerment of the Spirit. We live for the pres- with the presence of God. We proclaim Jesus. We believe in the power of the Spirit. But Jesus, he was anointed. Went about doing good. Healing all that were present. For God was with him. You know, God was with him. The presence of God surrounded him. You know, being Pentecostal, yes, proclaim Jesus, live by the power of the Spirit, but it's been more and more experiencing the presence of God. Not just experiencing it, but carrying the presence of God where we go. Doctrinally, we believe God is omnipresent. God is everywhere, always at the same time. That blows my mind, but I want to tell you, I want a God who blows my mind. I don't want a God who I can understand fully. I want a God who just blows my mind. And my God blows my mind. I look at the stars at the sky at night, and my God blows my mind. I look at nature problem, uh, programs and God blows my mind. I look at the lives that are transformed and God blows my mind. I look out here and I see people who are and what they are now and God blows my mind. I want a God who blows my mind. And the fact that God is everywhere always at the same time just blows my mind. He's everywhere. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says, with two or three, I guard in my name, I'm there. But you know, but there's levels where you can experience more and more just a sense of the presence of God. And we long to just sense the presence of God. We need to have that within us, a desire for more and more of the presence of God. For really Pentecost, our priority is to sense the presence of God in increasing measure. We need to get what Moses got in the Old Testament. Listen to this, Exodus 33, incredible chapter. The Lord is speaking to Moses. He says, get going. You and all the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land. I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I'll give the land to your descendants. I'll send an angel before you to drive out your enemies. Go up to land that flows with milk and honey. But I'll not travel among you for your stubborn, rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I don't think human nature has changed much since then, to be honest. But just listen to what God said to Moses. He says, Moses, it's time to go up and get into the land that I promised you. Go, you and the people. I promise you descendants. I'm a God of my promise. You go up into the land. And to, and to make it easy for you, I'll send an angel to just to destroy the enemies that might stop you getting here. I'll just send an angel ahead of you, just to prepare the way, get all the enemies out of the way. It says, and you know what? It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a great world. It's, where you're going is wonderful. It's incredible. It's Beulah land. It's wonderful. It's promised land. It's going to be a great place. On you go, Moses. Go, you and take all these people with you. You know, you're in fight. An angel's going ahead of you, and he's going to destroy your enemies, and you can just go in and live in luxury in the land of milk and honey and have a wonderful time. Now, if that'd be you and me, I'd... I'd well, I don't know about you, but it catch me some days and say, that sounds good, I'm going for it. Okay? But Moses says, no. He says, if you don't go personally with us, 
Just leave us here. Hey, that's awesome, God. That's brilliant, all the stuff that you're going to give. That's great, what you're providing for us. That land sounds great. It's going to be a great land. The fact that we don't need to fight, we've got an angel. We've got, we've got supernatural beings there fighting for us and they're with us. Wow. But you know what, God? If we don't get your presence, if you're not with us, I don't want to go. I don't want to. If I can't sense your presence, God, if I don't feel you in my life and in my words, doesn't matter how good life is, doesn't matter how great things are, I want to sense the presence of God. I want to sense you. David got it as well. When David fell and he was praying to God in Psalm 51, a great psalm, you maybe catch it, you, uh, you maybe catch it, it's a paraphrase thing, but David blew it and he fell before God and he came before God. You know, they create me a clean heart prayer. And if you read and sense the heart of David, it's saying, I deserve punishment. You can punish me. I accept that I'm guilty. I deserve all the punishment that's coming, God. And he says a few things, but he says, but, but don't banish me from your presence. Don't banish me. Yes, punish me. Create me. But, but Lord, I can't live if living is without you. <laughs> you could have written a song. He says, I deserve it, but the one thing I can't live with is I can't live without your presence. I can't live without your presence in my life. You know, and we really need to get to a stage if we really repent because we are. We need to experience his presence in our life. The band are going to come up. It's his presence that makes all the difference in our lives. But it's not just so that we can experience it. It's so that we can carry it. Do you want to say that Peter in Acts 15, 5 and 15? As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. You know why? Because Peter carries something of the presence of God. No, do you know why we're praying and fasting for this month? It's so that we can catch something of the presence of God and take it with us. Pentecostal priorities are three things, basically. It's the proclamation of Jesus. It's the praising of Jesus. It's the promotion of Jesus. It's about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and recognizing we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But it's about carrying the presence. It's about knowing the presence of God and carrying that presence. Psalm 31 says, your shelter. There's a shelter in your presence. Psalm 61, there's joy in your presence. Sometimes there's protection and comfort in your presence. There's hope, there's grace, there's love, there's peace. Psalm 97 says, mountains melt at the presence of the Lord. Exodus 33, 14, your presence gives us rest. And 2 Chronicles 5, 15 talks about the peace couldn't even continue the meeting because of the presence of God was brought. You know, let's stand as we just close this part. Three things, if we really want to be people of the Spirit and what it means with Pentecost, are the three big priorities in our life. The promotion of Jesus, the empowerment of the Spirit, but a sense of the presence of God that we can experience and take and then carry so that other people can sense something. This is what Moses said, and I love it, at that conversation with God. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us?
for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. It's your presence that sets us apart. We want to be people of his presence. We want to sense his presence. We want to live in his presence. And we want to carry his presence wherever we go. So that we can go around doing good and healing all who are praised of the devil. And so that we can praise and glorify Jesus. Father, as a group of people today, we come before you. Lord, and we're opening up. Father, put a desire within us just to, to proclaim and promote Jesus. I pray for an empowerment of your spirit to come upon everyone in this gathering here. Everyone watching, let there be an experience of your power just visits us. I pray, Father God, as we leave here and as we go out into wherever we go, that we'll take something of your presence. Father, we long to just more and more sense your presence among us. Lord, not just for us to feel good, but us to just sense you, but then to carry your presence into a world which is dying, a world which is lost, a world which is broken. But Lord, but your presence can make all the difference. Father, help us long more and more to proclaim Jesus, to be people empowered, but to be people who sense and know and carry your presence wherever we go. In Jesus' name. Thanks for that amazing word. Amen.